Hi there. I want to talk to you about ducks. No thanks. What about his anger? I don't want to go. I'll go where it's right. All right. Now that's a good idea. Okay, let's go. Give me that noise. Oh, you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp. Out of the blue, no explanation, no point in looking for it. It's all part of cosmic unconsciousness. Oh, yeah. Come out and play. Don't even mention Christmas chicken. My parents would be real sorry if I don't get them chucked on you. I'm asking how better it gets. She's gonna kill me, man. Fucking drug house, I'm gonna kill you. You can do that product, we're gonna fucking business man. You Hello and welcome to the Cult Film Companion Podcast, the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. My name is Chris, I am your host, joined as ever with my co-host Andrew. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, mister. How are you doing today? I'm good, I'm looking forward to this, this is going to be fun. So we are in the midst of our musical March in April, I guess. (laughs) Um... (laughs) And we've got uh, we've got a a, a rarity here. A, a, well, not really a rarity. It the is mo- a rarity. It, the movie it's is out a of print. It's out of print. Yeah, um, I mean this DVD is 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 expensive. It's it's collector's item right now. We're talking hundreds of dollars. Right, but it it was available at one point on Netflix. But before we get into our movie of the week, which is the 1975 At Long Last Love, a couple things I want to mention: the Colton Companion is available now on all major podcast platforms. So anywhere that you find your podcast, you should be able to find our show. All the links are available through our website on Acast. You can find us on Instagram, Cult Film Comp, Twitter at Cult Film Comp, email cultfilmcompanion at gmail.com. Send us recommendations for movies. Tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. We always like interacting with the uh, with our audience and our fans, so we appreciate it. We are a proud member of the Blind Knowledge Collective, www.blindknowledge.com, which is a great website for podcasts and videocasts and all sorts of creators any uh, from around the world, any particular itch that you might have that Blind Knowledge might be able to f- provide that scratch for you. And Blind Knowledge is partnered with Dio Speakers. Why don't you have a speaker in every room in your home? It Does it seem like a huge investment or a daunting task to set up yourself? At Dio, we finally made simple, affordable speakers that you could set up in every room in under a minute. No app or voice assistance needed. Just play from your iPod to any speakers. It's just that simple. Get the launch discount at www.doconnect.com backslash blind knowledge. Our podcast is always also a featured podcast on Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics of the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable. Browse articles from topics that you choose, such as sports, science, Bitcoin, Kardashians, and find the latest articles and then read them to you. And they have podcasts. Explore trending podcasts from over 50 different countries. Of course, our podcast, The Cult Film Companion, is there too. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me or from the link in the description. And please use the promo code CULTF1LM. 
drop the I, pop in a one, use the promo code, and you get a month free premium subscription. Now with all that hot dogging and grandstanding out of the way. You're getting good at that. Oh, thank you. Let's talk about a little movie. Well, actually was uh, supposed to be a, a big movie. Right. Did not turn out that way. This was not to be a big flop. Yes. Big notorious flop, actually. So you you brought this movie to my attention because, uh, like a lot of people, this is one of those forgotten movies. This is from writer-director Peter Bogdanovich, who was huge in the 70s. He was. He he was pioneering cinema. Uh, Last Picture Show, Paper Moon, to name two. And I think my first experience with uh, Bogdanovich would probably be Mask. Sure, 80s. Right. 80s Bogdanovich. That's, of course, yeah. Mask and not The Mask right. with Jim Carrey. We're, We're talking about Mask with Sharon Eric Stoltz. Right. Yeah. Um, which is a very moving drama. It's a very well... It, actually, very well directed. Very well directed. He directed her very well in it. R- yeah. Uh-huh. And that was a big deal for her. She had to prove herself as an actress. Well, still, I mean, she'd done Silkwood, but still. Bogdanovich kind of had to reprove himself as a director right. after uh, At Long Last Love, yep. which is a tribute to musicals from the 30s? From the 30s. So the, the, the prototypical Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies from the 30s. Now, for, for the listener, I had Chris watch a Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movie just now before we recorded, so he would have something to compare At Long Last Love with. And Top Hat, Top Hat is the uh, Fred and Ginger musical that we watched. That is supposed to be the template for At Long Last Love. Right. Because I was not familiar. I am not a, generally a fan of musicals. I've, I've seen... You called mus- them subpar on this show. Did I? <laughs> yes, I'll never let you live that down. But it's okay. We can discuss. Oh, <laughs> maybe we should have taken that off mics. Um, but you know what? It's something that... You know, now that I'm, I'm I'm a mature, well, somewhat mature adult, I can I can see, I can look kind of look past my oh it's a musical kind of like, <laughs> you know, putting my nose up when I should just be putting my nose down and paying attention because I got a kick out of both of these movies. I je- I, I I really really did. Nice. At long last, love. Yeah. So. I, I when we were watching, I mentioned to you like I I like that this was a callback to old Hollywood, yep. which it really is. Yep. And, and I, instead of filming, I, I'll keep interjecting. Sure, this whole thing. please. Instead of filming it in black and white like a Fred and Ginger movie, um, they filmed it in color and had all the sets and costumes in black and white. So part of this, we'll we'll get into how much of an expensive experiment this movie was. But right. Yeah, so, that was one of the things that they. Decided to do as a concept. Right off the bat, we've got Peter Bogdanovich as the writer and the director, and he cast his girlfriend at the time, Sybil Shepard. As Ginger Rogers, basically. Uh, Yes, her character in the movie is Brooke Carter, but she is the Ginger Rogers of At Long Last Love. Yeah. She is no Ginger Rogers. She is no Ginger Rogers. This is the first time just, you know, we literally just finished watching Top Hat. This is the first time I've I've sat through an entire Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movie. There, I can see what Bogdanovich was trying to do, <laughs> but we'll get into it. Talking about kind of miscasting, 
Bogdanovich claims that he was talked into casting Burt Reynolds. As Fred Astaire. Yes. And that he wanted originally Elliot Gould, and that he was going to play the part himself at one point. Oh. Yeah. 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 So Burt Reynolds was kind of at the height of his fame, though. Yep. He kind of had carte blanche in Hollywood. So he was cast... You said he wanted to do a musical? He He did want to, yeah. Put the word out in Hollywood? Yeah. Okay. I think he was kind of trying to spread his wings and Mm -hmm. trying to be... um, So he's cast in the movie. I've abbreviated his name to something very fun. What? M.O.P. 3. What is M.O.P. 3? Well, that's his name. Well, that's... Oh, that's his character's name. Character's name. That's right. That's right. It is... um, (laughs) I know the last name is Packard. Pritchett. Pritchett? Yeah, he's like a, a Pritchett. All these stuffy, stuffy elitist it's very, things. Yes. Um, but we're going to call him M.O.P. 3, because that's more fun. The movie also features Madeline Kahn as Kitty O'Kelly, uh, who's great. Uh, she's the yeah. only one that was kind of, I would say, bulletproof from criticism in this well, movie. And it's funny that you say that, because Vincent Canby, in his review for this in 75 for the New York Times, called her indestructibly funny. I think that's one of the good things he had to say about the movie. She is... He also said that Cat Civil Shepherd was like entering a horse in a cat show. Well, there's going to be a lot of... Uh, we're not taking personal shots at Miss Shepherd here. Uh, I actually like her, <laughs> believe it or not. I could take her or leave her. I think she's great in small doses. Uh, she recovered... Lucky for her, she had a, 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 a small but important role... In the 19... So this was 75. So I think Taxi Driver was 76. Yep. So that kind of... uh, Yep. She was doing smaller roles after At Long Last Love. I remember in 1980, living up in Maine, she was doing summer stock at that point. All right. I think her agent had told her, you need to beef up on your acting if you want to further your career. And then she she had a huge success in the 80s with Moonlighting. Sure. Yeah. Um... I think that's probably where I first saw her. Actually, no, you know what? I don't think I've ever seen Moonlighting. I oh, think I'm lying. Oh, that's a fun one. Is it? Yeah, that's a weird, offbeat, uh, witty little show. They'll, mm. they'll say things when they're when they're arguing, like, wait, wait, wait a minute. There, there's a page missing from my script here. I don't understand what's going on. In the show? In the show. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that's Moonlighting. Off, off topic tangent number one. <laughs> Score. So... Uh, rounding out this cast is. Do you want to try to pronounce his name? Oh, let me see here. D U I L I O Del Prete. Duelio De Prete. Yes. Okay. Duelio. Duelio. I think I can get that. Yeah. An Italian actor who is very good at singing and dancing in this movie. He and Madeline Kahn are the strong musical theater, quote unquote, uh, forces. And he plays Johnny Spanish. <laughs> but he's Italian. But he's, of course, he's Italian. Uh-huh. And he's a gambler. He's actually not part of the elite no. bloodline of names. We'll get, <laughs> he's a gambler that's win, on a winning streak. For, uh, yes, but mm-hmm. the, I mean, the winning, but that's that's not good enough for uh, for Sybil Shepherd. We'll get into it though. Yeah, the, the the cinematography is very very good for this movie. It is. It really is. And it looks beautiful. Laszlo Kovacs. Uh, just look him up on IMDb and w- see his list of credits. He's, mm. He shot some amazing movies, mm. and um, also, so we we're gonna. T- I'm just mentioning the editor here is credited to Douglas Robertson, 
But is, is that the man who is behind the story? I didn't find out. No. Okay. That's the person credited as the original editor. Yes. Okay. So could you kind of tell us what happened to this movie in 2010 is when it showed 2010 or 2012. This movie kind of had no other than its home video VHS release immediately following the movie. There was no it was never brought out into any other format, never given a DVD or Blu-ray release. You know, war, uh, is a 20th Century Fox, every, pretty much every movie, even bad movies get put out. Yeah, so, it, was, it was invisible. I had a bootleg of it. There are multiple edits, and I had one edit on a bootleg DVD at one point. Was it I the remember. edit that we watched? No, no, no. Okay. This is a whole new thing. So, so let's get into it. So why don't you tell us what happened with uh, when this movie showed up on Netflix. It was not the film that was originally seen in theaters. It was not. And Bogdanovich's friends told him to check it, or a friend, told him to check it out on Netflix that it was playing. I don't think Bogdanovich knew that it was a different edit. He didn't because he started, he started watching it. And he started thinking to himself, wait a second, they're using alternate scenes, they're using deleted scenes, and they're taking out other scenes. This is not what I, this is not the movie that I made. But but he liked it better. <laughs> that's the yeah, that's the kicker. So there he started an investigation to find out what happened. And apparently uh, not apparently. Th this is true, and I don't know the gentleman's name, and I don't know exactly what position he had. I should have done that research beforehand. It's okay. The listener can do the research if, if he or she desires. I'm guessing it was another editor. Another editor. I thought it might have been a cameraman, but I think it was an assistant editor. Who back then, when the movie was being edited and re-edited, there were different versions. When it opened at Radio City, it's a different version that than the one that was released theatrically. When it was then uh, given to television, that was yet another edit. So there are multiple. But <clears throat> this individual who had worked in old Hollywood, and I think on Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers musicals back then, uh, he was a veteran, and he had put together his own edit of At Long Last Love that I guess he kept stashed away somewhere. I don't know. This is the edit that popped up on Netflix that Bogdanovich watched and liked, actually liked. He stopped talking about it Long Last Love shortly after its failure. He actually wrote, uh, reportedly, wrote a letter of apology, an open letter of an apology to the New York Times to be published, apologizing for this movie. Okay, so he actually liked this version he saw on Netflix and henceforth uh, they put it on Blu-ray and is now out of print. Uh, but yeah, this is a Blu-ray copy that we watched. It's a it looks beautiful. It's the best edit of it. Uh, it says it director's definitive edition, but it's probably just the. I think it's the Netflix cut, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the and Netflix cut. So, but it, from, I get. But it what is. I understand. Yeah, but it, if you know, he approves of it. So I didn't get to watch the original at Long Last Love, and I had to say, uh, you know, it's. What do you I, mean the original? Like, I didn't get to see what you saw, the theatrical, oh, the, the, the other version. The other version, right. the other cut of the movie. Right. So I got to see, I guess, the best cut of the movie. You did. Which is which is fortunate for me because, I, quite honestly, I don't think I could sit through this movie again anytime soon. And sometimes I like to watch the movies once or twice. 
Um, you did not do that. When I do the research. Um, <laughs> you know how many times I've seen this movie? <laughs> Too is many it, times. Are we talking more than two hands? Um, it might, yeah, I think, over the years. So we're going to toes now. Maybe. Hand, finger, yeah. Hands, fingers, and I toes. Mean, since 05. Since 05. But you I've had seen a, it over a No, even, even on TV before that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this movie, bootleg. but this movie... So when I started researching it before I, I even saw it, I just you kind of warned me too. You said it was you said you know, and you also gave me uh, the freedom to tap out or right. to veto to, to abort <laughs> to if, abort. if necessary. Yeah, and I I think I said at one point like there's no wrong way to react to this movie. You just it, it just is what it is, and you're either gonna get into it or you're not. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it, you know right away. Whether you're going to get into it or whether you're going to be able to get into it or not. Right. But then just, I was going to come on this podcast and kind of, uh, well, I'm still going to say what I like about this movie, but having just sat through Top Hat, I don't like, I don't like At Long Last Love. <laughs> you, you're able to compare. Yeah, you can see I what can the original s- is. Right. Uh, what the original uh, deal was and uh, how At Long Last Love pales in comparison. I would be much you'd much likely see me pop in Top Hat again before I pop in at Long Last Love. Fair enough. Part of the reason is because of the casting. Burt Reynolds he's always got a smug look on his face like he's way too cool for this movie. Because he's trying I, I think when he said he wanted to do a musical I'm not sure if he really thought that out, right, or if this was like some drunken statement he made that later regretted and it got printed, like Burt Reynolds wanted him to do a musical, and he looks in the papers like, "Did I say that? Yeah, I probably said that. Yeah, I want to be in a musical." So yeah, he looks. He does sing in other movies, you know that. He's in. He sings in Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, and he sings a little bit. He plays banjo and sings in a movie called Lucky Lady. Yeah. You know what movie he doesn't sing and play the banjo that does feature a banjo, though? What? what? Deliverance. Deliverance, yes. Dueling banjos. So, yes, yes, yes. I used to work off, at, off topic tangent number two. Well, I can Deliverance. continue that. Oh, I please. Can continue that. <laughs> I used to work at a diner, and, and one of my coworkers would play the soundtrack to Deliverance uh, during a shift, and it drove me crazy. No. That dueling banjos thing. Yeah, at a diner. You know? Yeah, during, mm. like, you know, lunch hour. There's only one <laughs> time to be playing that song. And you people down south know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you're making someone squeal like a piggy. Stop. <laughs> okay. All right. Back to At Long Last Love, where nobody squeals like a piggy. Um, so, so let me, should I give a backstory as to please, how yeah. At Long Last Love got made? Yeah. <clears throat> There was uh, a resurgence of nostalgia in the 70s, more towards the 20s than the 30s, because the 20s was kind of wild and carefree, as the 70s were supposed to be. And so a lot of things like The Great Gatsby and The Wild Party were made into movies uh, in the 70s that harkened back to the 1920s. Now, there was also a Broadway musical by Stephen Sondheim and uh, oh, J- John Goldman, I think, is the, the writer... Harold Prince, Michael Bennett, who went on to do A Chorus Line in Dreamgirls. Harold Prince is known for many, many things. Phantom of the Opera uh, and lots of Sondheim musicals. Anyway, they did a musical called Follies. 
which was about a reunion of Follies, old school Ziegfeld Follies performers and technical staff coming together in the same building, in the same theater, the night before it's being torn down to have their last reunion together. And the four main characters were, the girls were, the women were showgirls in the Follies, and the men were stagehands who came and picked the girls up and went out as a, as a quadruple, you know, as a double couple, every night after performances. They ended up marrying, I think, the other person's partner, and so during this reunion, they get drunk and get drunk. It's like the Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf of musical theater. And as things break down and break down and break down, the truth comes up, and it actually unfolds in a huge uh, Fellini-type uh, Follies musical number or numbers. So this, was, this, this caught the attention of, of Hollywood when it was uh, on Broadway. And Harold Prince and Michael Bennett wanted to do like cinema verite version of it, that involved Hollywood movie stars instead of vaudevillian stars and uh, have the reunion be in an old studio uh, with Joan Crawford, Betty Davis, all these, Mickey Rooney, all of these people. I think they wanted for the cast, the four people, they wanted Doris Day, Fred Astaire, uh, Robert Preston, and um, Elizabeth Taylor, of all people. So the movie never got made. And it was pitched to MGM, MGM instead basically did That's Entertainment, which was an homage to their old movies. This was right after the pitch of, of Follies to MGM. So then they shopped it to 20th Century Fox. 20th Century Fox opted to do Peter Bogdanovich's At Long Last Love instead as a tribute to the old nostalgic musical, movie musical. And henceforth, it, 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 it was born, it came to fruition, filmed and released, and bombed and was bad-mouthed for many, many, many years until and the Netflix version came out. Now, I, yeah, go ahead. So he he was off by about a decade then. You said, so this was made in 75, and they were harking back to the 20s. He's harking back 30s. to the 30s. Yeah, right, right. So, and I, and I said to you, I think that this movie is really a victim of its time from 1975. I can't imagine anyone during that time, especially who would want to see something like this, except maybe the older generation, which maybe was the target audience. Right. Ethel, I, I think that... Ethel I, Merman was reportedly heard walking out of the movie at Radio City, being heard in the lobby, saying to her friend, I'm glad Cole Porter isn't alive to see this. <laughs> I think that's a bit harsh. Um, speaking of Cole Porter, it was Sybil Shepard, who at the time was dating Bogdanovich, who I... Apparently they had a very obnoxious relationship. Right. Cary Grant called uh, Bogdanovich on the phone and said, look, I understand that you both are so in love, but enough, enough. We're tired of it. You're so in love. You're so in love. We get it. We've <laughs> yeah. had enough. Yeah. So she had previously recorded an album of Cole Porter titled Sybil Does It dot 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 to Cole Porter. To Cole. That that's I used to have it on cassette. It says to Cole Porter. Oh, here. okay. Well, that's not right. Sybil does it and I to Cole. And I feel like that recording was made in conjunction with this movie. But she was a fan of Cole Porter. She had a book of his lyrics, unabridged, which is important because basically right. the songs are unabridged. And at long last love, not only do we have eighteen Cole Porter songs, but it seems like 18. you hear every scene. But yes. it seems like you hear every verse that was written. 
Well, we're going to get, yeah. She had a big coffee table book of lyrics, and she, she gave, gave it, it to him, him. On his birthday or something. And he thought it would be fun to write a script based on the lyrics. Like Mamma Mia. And instead of going towards some of the Cole Porter old classics, like Every Time We Say Goodbye, What Is This Thing Called Love, Night and Day. Mm-hmm. Begin the Begin, that's another. You'd Be So Nice to Come Home To. I can't. I concentrate on you. I concentrate. Great song. I've got you under my skin. In the still of the night. Yeah, I mean, these are fantastic songs. None of them are you. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, Yeah. that's the punchline. None of those are in this movie. (laughs) We go, he went to, he went to some of the the more wittier and suggestive songs. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And we'll get into some of the songs here, but there's... Especially with John Hillman and Eileen Brennan as the servants, they sing... uh, a reprise Something over and over of uh, yeah. in the morning in the morning no but, but in, in the, the morning, morning no. no right yeah. so some of the songs that they th- that are performed in this movie are down in the depths on the 90th floor you're the top which has connotations does it oh sure there's actually i can i can say right now there's a there's a verse that was written by Cole Porter that was never printed and it, it goes something to the effect of you're the top, you're the breasts of Venus, you're the top, you're King Kong's penis. I'm not kidding. So uh, that See, was, you know, the that, unpublished Porter. That would have gotten rave reviews for this movie. <laughs> you just bring up a humongous giant monkey schlong and you're all set. Um, friendship. She does sing about cocaine. They left that in. Yes, yeah. in this cut there the, is. So the this movie is rave. For, uh, I get a kick out of you. So it's funny to me that this movie is rated G, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Movies now are getting PG and PG-13 ratings if someone smokes. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Off-topic tangent mm-hmm. number they three. They smoked a lot. They smoked and drank a lot in well, both movies, spe- in Top Hat and at Long Last Love. And oh, Long yeah. Last Love, they're straight, straight up alcoholic. Well, and they mention it at times. Yeah. They're like, yeah, they, they, do. they have their hangover rituals. Yep. Um, one of them says at the time that they're an alcoholic. Yep. Um, off-topic tangent number three. We uh, Hollywood has gone so to the other side of the fence with this whole yeah thing. I can't even really comment on it. Oh no no no! Yeah. This is just gonna be a quick yeah, little fun factoid for you. In the most recent Batman movie, the villain, the Penguin, who is notorious for having a cigarette holder mm-hmm. and uh, smokes and smoked in the 1960s series. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think he has a cigarette in the cartoon series. Mm-hmm. They said absolutely no smoking, mm. none. Mm. So that's how mm. that's mm. that's and that's Nazis. You can actually see now because they break down ratings so much. P- movies will get if if there's drinking, it's PG thirteen or but regardless. Yeah. I, yeah. I said that there's an off topic tangent. We, we've that's gone okay. from what I like the old. I like the old Hollywood where. Especially in Top Hat, this guy taps his ass off yeah. for like five minutes yeah. and then just lights up a cigarette. Yeah. And then, <laughs> right, right, totally. Maybe makes a drink. Yeah, of or course. No, making the drink is part of his tap dance routine. I was going to say, yeah, he's definitely <laughs> dancing and making that drink. It's so much fun to watch Fred Astaire work with props when he's dancing. He's really has, and you know, and the connection between he and Ginger 
him and Ginger as palpable, especially when they dance. She's all uptight in that movie until she starts dancing with him, and then it's just all free and flowing and free and flowing. You don't you don't see that at all at Long Last Love. Well, I, I was going to say, let's get back to yeah. at Long Last Love, and let's talk about the chemistry. Yeah. Burt Reynolds and Sybil Shepard have no chemistry together. <laughs> None. And they're supposed to be loving. Hot, hot couple. They're yeah. supposed to be the hot couple. Yeah. They have no chemistry in this movie <laughs> whatsoever. You were saying that they had better chemistry with the other two leads. Well, I was he, saying the other two leads had better chemistry with, with each other. With each other, yeah. just with everyone. They yeah, just seem. They do. Well, maybe it's because they were more experienced with the singing and the dancing, but and even Eileen Brennan and John John Jonathan Hill, Hillman or Hillerman, um, even they have good chemistry. Right. Yeah. Sybil Shepherd and. I mean, it, it's it funny. Might be, it might be her fault. I hate to say this because I do like her, um, but she kind of has anti-chemistry sometimes. So it could have just been this black hole that Burt Reynolds was pouring his sexual energy, charisma into that just dissipated. She <laughs> definitely has resting. She's got. She is sexy though. The looks that she gives him. There is a spark. I see a spark when they when they have certain moments. And it's usually when she's mad, but she's sexy at the same time. Yeah. And she'll give that look. And that that registers with me. I get that. When they're in the movie when they're at, at the theater watching Madeline Kahn perform and they're switching those seats. Silly, silly, silly. But they have to, you know, get by each other. And yeah. the look they give each other then does have a spark in my no, there, in my opinion. There is. There yeah. I mean but yeah, I think you said she's like a black hole of she she. I think she's able to turn it on when she wants to. Yeah, maybe. But, but I, mean, I was even I just telling don't think you she's that experienced. I mean, I don't I don't think she's that experienced of an actress. It's just no, like, she's not. You know, she like goes home and not only memorizes her lines, but she memorizes how she's going to do her lines. And that this is my opinion. I could be wrong. And that's a big no no for actors. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to pre plan how you're going to act it. You're supposed, right. It's supposed to come out of the moment. She doesn't do that. No. Yeah. Um, but a lot of this, and yeah, this movie is tight. Which one? At Long Last Love. Okay. I think the so. script, everything is, there's no, the humor is, when it lands, it's very funny. Mm -hmm. But you can tell that it's, Tightly scripted, tightly mm -hmm. timed. That this has been rehearsed to death. Well, and you said you said that even the stuff that that seems like ad libbing is not. It's, it's not. all highly scripted. Everything was because was, they comment on all the verses on all the songs. Spoken word. The other person will say something like she says, "You could uh, you could have a great career, and you should. Only one thing stops you, dear." And he's like, "Too much money." Yeah. <laughs> so it is. It's very very tight. But the humor, some of the humor lands, it, it, and it, when I tell you it lands, it lands very well. The comic relief, we have the butler mm -hmm. the, uh, and the maid, and the maid mm -hmm. are, are great. Thank God for them. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. I could have done without so many choruses of "in but in the morning." No, they, they that's all they sing to each other. They're constantly singing. I to know. Each other. I know. And that's the thing. When Andrew said that there's 18 songs in this movie... Did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> He's not kidding. There's 18 songs in this they movie. They go from one song to the other to the other, sometimes without even saying well, anything. I, I read the... the, the um, right before we started recording, I told you, Bogdanovich said that he wanted to 
the, the them to be talking like they're exchanging postcards, mm-hmm. and they didn't know what to say to each other, so they would say it through song. Well, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how it's supposed to be. But I feel like there there were constraints. On I don't know. I mean, I like the idea of using all Cole, Cole Porter songs. But it feels like a constraint. Like sometimes it doesn't flow for me. It doesn't flow so much. And I'll get into this because I'll get into this right now. Sure. Because um, Bogdanovich forged a new method of filming the movie musical when he made this. He had the singers, he had the actors sing live with an earpiece in their ear, with a pre-recorded a, a piano accompaniment, with the orchestrations, which are immense yes. in, in At Long Last Love, added in post-production. I love this concept. I love this idea. And they did this with Les Miserables, the movie. The difference being that in Les Miserables, they had a live keyboardist playing with the, with the actor. So the actor could weave, you know, adjust their own, you know, be spontaneous mm-hmm. with the tempo, with pauses, with all of that. The actors don't have that luxury in At Long Last Love. They're they have to do it the way it was rehearsed with this pre-recorded track, and I notice it. I do notice it. Now, for me, what what something that I, I just I'm... want to add as a quick footnote: I believe in the Fred and Ginger movie, movies that they their singing was live too, but I think they had a live orchestra on set. I think wow. it was all the, that that much contained. Right. Yeah. And I I was just gonna say that this goes back to my point about this movie being so tight. There's no. I mean, when there's a funny quip. There's no breathing room for you to laugh. No, there isn't. And that's that's a problem. Yeah. That's and that's something I'm just real that's There's... a problem. Like a good comedy note, they uh, like a good director and editor will say, "Okay, we need to like we need we need a, a second. We need two seconds here." No, you don't get it. And in this movie it's it. bang bang yeah. bang. Yeah. So, you're laughing at one funny quip and then you'll miss something funny. And then you'll be halfway through a song and be thinking about that funny line. Yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no room to breathe in this movie. There isn't. They um, kind of pack it all with little nooks and crannies of stuff. It's packed a little too tight. It is. And watching something like Top Hat, it's a lot more loose. It's a lot more loose. It's a lot more clever. I found the I find both movies disturbing in their uh bourgeois aspect. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, back in the 1930s, most mo- most of America was living poor. They were poor. It was the Depression. It was the Great Depression. It was the Grapes of Wrath. The farmers were b- being put out of work. The bankers were buying the farms, the land, basically. They, they were put out of work. They didn't have much connection to people who lived in high society at all. They didn't know of its existence. They had a radio, maybe, but only when they went to the movies, then all of that elitist, bloodline, banker, uh, bourgeois lifestyle started to present, you know, pre- present itself to them. The Art Deco 1930s aesthetic, all of that money, all of that money, you know? And I think that At Long Last Love attempts to kind of poke fun of it, at it, but it's taking itself too seriously. You think? Yes. Okay. I think because just watching Top Hat, the opening scene is Fred Astaire... Sitting in that room with all those rub 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 rub. Oh right, the stuffy, the uh, stuffy yeah, country club. And I asked you, the smoking room. Is there going to be a monocle in this movie? <laughs> and as soon as you said that, this was the very beginning. Guy with the monocle reading the newspaper, <laughs> like, yes. which I interpret as the all. And guy. I love him, like him just putting, like 
you know, poking his eyes up from yeah. the news. And you get it that he's like, he's registering with the audience. Yep. You don't register with these characters. They're, because... You're kind of like voyeur, a voyeur. Right. A voyeur with them. And... That's how it feels. They're getting drunk and having sex and... So we have yeah. four characters here, and I would say two of them are likable, and two of them are very unlikable. Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. Maybe I make myself like them. Maybe uh, I like them because it's Burt Reynolds and Sybil Shepard. Maybe I do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I like Burt Reynolds, um, but it, there's times when I would, you know, in this movie, like, when he tries to dance... And what did that emphasis critic, on try. What did that critic say? It was like stamping out a, a campfire yeah. instead of tapping. And the, that one moment where you actually hear him tapping, you were saying, oh, that, that's not so bad. I said, no, no, no. They dubbed those taps in. Look at the moves. They don't match the sound. Right. <laughs> and then you watch someone like Fred Astaire. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, this is what critics and people were saying back in the 70s when it came out. They were like, what? You're giving us this as a Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers musical? Right. Yeah. I mean, this movie takes itself too seriously because it wants to be an homage where they There is something heavy about it, don't you think? Even though it's buoyant, I feel like there's something heavy about At Long Last Love. That there's something a little too heavy about it. And I can't elaborate on that. So, we can Yeah, we, can we get... Uh, you know, it's, it's a love story, but... It might be the production values, just because it's such a big-budget, complicatedly-filmed movie. And oftentimes, I don't really know what's going on with the characters and their storylines and the plots. Like, I don't quite make the connection. So even though you say it's very tight, like, a lot of things pass me by until I see it repeatedly. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's the arc of that relationship phasing but, into the other relationship. I mean, this, the deal with it, Long Last Love, it's two couples who then switch partners right. and then switch back again. And right. this is all kind of uh, shown to you in the opening credits and the final credits with the little little figurines that are in a music box. Right, which I, I, I think the opening... Yeah, the opening... I mean, this opening shot to create just like the, the way it was timed to get the dancers to dance and then to switch the partners yeah. and the, it stops... So that we basically, yes, that's yeah, what we end. have. We have two partners. Uh-huh. And we, so it's kind of like swinging. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 they're swingers. They're swingers. They're <laughs> yeah, drinkers. <dude>. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, there's they all have qualities about them that kind of like Johnny Spanish is putting on this persona. Mm-hmm. He's living a lifestyle that he really can't afford to live. Right. That's big money. That's big old money. Yeah, so we've got some like um yeah, there's a lot there's some some things going on here about I mean why I don't like the, uh MOP3 Burt Reynolds. Yes. And Simple Shepherd is that they are spoiled rich kids. They are. And she wears it worse than he does. She does. Yeah. She is obnoxiously oh, yeah. spoiled. Oh yeah. That's why I say she's unlikable. Yeah. Because it's true. I have to agree. I said it while we were watching it. I was like, I said she's unbearable. I was like, look at her acting like that in public. Right. <laughs> at least Burt Reynolds, like, he'll have these quips, and he says, like, he only grew his mustache because his 
His butler has a mustache. He has like these lines where it makes him a little bit more likable. Yeah. Um, he kind of seems like he's he's bored with high society at times. Absolutely. That's when he first starts singing. I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Right. Won't you, won't you care for a poor millionaire? Which is actually a song that was never published by Cole Porter. It's the only song in the movie that was never published previously. Oh, okay. Or recorded. Yeah. So he's bored with high society. So mm-hmm. like I, that makes him, he, he's a little bit more grounded. But Sybil Shepherd, she's like, can't get enough. She's like addicted. Which, which mean, is the right life, the the simple or the night life? Which which is the upper, my breakfast or my supper? She she doesn't know if she wants to be a party animal or be one of the day dwellers. She wants to be a party animal. Yeah, she does. She does. I think that's, that's why I, I that's yeah. why I and that's what I like about her though. That I like that primal quality. There is something primal about her. Her she is. Yeah, I mean between her and her her maid. They're the more aggressive ones. Yeah. The guys are kind of like getting manipulated by the women oh, throughout yeah. well, this hell, movie. Surprise. Kill surprise. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm sorry to be so bougie. <laughs> it, but, it's appropriate. But what I was telling to you, like the um, the title screen on this Blu-ray, I looked at it, it and Burt Reynolds is looking like he's like looking right into your soul, and he looks so smug. <laughs> and I told you, Sybil I'm Shepherd, doing a musical. Yeah, he's like, I'm doing a musical, but I'm too cool to be doing a musical. <laughs> but so like he's trying to maintain like his machismo, but being also be like, yeah, I'm in a musical. What about it? He reverts, and I told, he reverts to doofusness a lot. Yes, <laughs> but I also said to you, then you've got Sybil Shepherd like like posing next to him. And she's got a look on it that says, "I'm sleeping with the director," <laughs> and I and I made this movie happen. Basically, right. this is my brainchild. Uh-huh. She did. She did reportedly cry when the Netflix version came out on Blu-ray. That she was so ha- happy to see it uh, at its best, you know, and released. Yeah. So apparently, behind the scenes, Bogdanovich was extremely arrogant. Oh, that's par for the course tell me more I don't know about this I don't think but no he just had this great like he had this vision it's like he's being heralded as the next like pioneer of cinema okay but I think that this movie he became um, I'm gonna go back to some of my uh, my literary studies he became a victim of his own hubris okay okay I think that he was so high on himself that I think that he kind of saw himself as bulletproof. Because anyone reading The Room in the 70s, really reading your audience, like you said, who in 1975 wanted to see At Long Last Love? Right. That's why I said I think... The older people. Right. Yeah. So I think this movie was like off, like I said, by a decade because I think he was he was heralding back the seventies were heralding back to the twenties. He's making a nineteen thirties musical in the seventies. I think this movie needed to come out in eighty five. Oh, interesting. And I think that he it might by then he wouldn't have been dating Sybil Shepherd any longer. Burt Reynolds was bordering on irrelevant, and um, now I'm just trying to like picture. Picture what who I would been. put in this movie, um, but I mean that's yeah. Who, you, you have to think about I who was big. Back yeah. Then. So I kind of think that 
it, it was just yeah it was it, it, this movie's like it's misplaced in time like it shouldn't like you read like the top movies in 1975 and then you get to the bottom of 1975 because this movie was a box office disaster um it, it cost how much in it Grossed how much? It cost five point one four million, which surprises me. I guess that was a lot back then. Okay, and yeah, th- that's not adjusted for inflation. Okay, so I mean nowadays, I twenty mean, million at least. At least, yeah, and it only made back two point five million, which is bad, but it's not cataclysmic. No, but I mean it was it, the it was the talk around the movie that right. made it such a notorious disaster. Right, people were just like, oh my god, that flick. And yeah. again, I, I'm not. I've only seen this this recent cut. So I was telling you after the movie, I don't think that this movie deserved some of the the hate and criticism that it got. Yeah, you liked it. I did mm-hmm. until you saw the the real until deal. I saw Top Hat, and yeah. then I was like, well, I like it less now because yeah. like this is kind of the, the, Top Hat breathes. The, the humor is allowed to land. You're allowed to to chuckle because there's well, the, and then let me let me continue with the whole aspect of 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 the 1930s elite lifestyle because I, I was talking about it earlier sure just just I find a real luridness in it I mean it's really oppressive actually mm-hmm. for me to watch people living so well <laughs> I used to love it and now I just it, it makes me it makes me kind of ill to see to see it because when we're younger we think that we have the chance to achieve such things right you get that jealousy that uh, what is that that envy syndrome right uh, but now I find it disturbing and oppressive and uh, <laughs> and and I found in a lot of ways I found the script in in top hat to be more subversive and disturbing than the one in at long last love so really yeah okay yeah yeah that's old Hollywood like I I hear you know me I hear and see things now even in the old old movies and it's even more disturbing to see it in the old movies so there was yeah a lot there's of stuff. some there's some I mean, there's I mean, some questionable jokes, and they just they keep going for the subversiveness, yeah. you know, and and yeah. So, at long last, love, uh, yeah. I mean, one of the defenders, the early defenders of the movie was Roger Ebert, gave us a very good review, mm-hmm. and I'm going to read a quote now from okay. Roger Ebert. Okay. It's impossible not to feel affection for at long last love, an impeccably stylish. Entertainment, and I think that now you important. said it had a lot of charm. You did say yes. that, and I agree. And I actually like the seventies sensibility of At Long Last Love. Just to and just I to think throw and that th- in. I think this next part of his quote kind of lands on that seventies sensibility. Okay. Bogdanovich is good at keeping it floating some few inches above the ground, and he does, especially in this edit, in this cut. I mean, we're living in a very we're it's living. It's like living top hat. Yeah, it is. But in Long Last Love, I mean, I get the feeling that if they stopped swinging and stopped drinking and actually dealt with their inner psychologies, we would have a whole different movie than it could be Les Miserables. Yeah, it probably, yeah. Because it feels like it's just a constant distraction. They're constantly distracting themselves, distracting themselves with each other, with the booze. With with the Cole Porter songs, right? You know, it's just like okay, you know, or Little Orphan let, Annie, let, yeah, right. The comic strips. <laughs> let's not let the ball drop at all. And I, have you ever had friends like that where it's like, 
you get together and the chemistry is really good and you're having a good time and you don't want the reality of life to seep in at all. Sure. So you just yeah, keep yeah. things going, keep things going. That's kind of what they're doing. That's kind of what we do here on the podcast. We don't have to go back to the real world while we're sitting here talking about Burt Reynolds and Sybil Shepherd. But this is a cute, productive little escape. It, and, it, one yes, that, and one yes, that's paid off for us. Yes. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, but I, I, I think it's jarring how natural Fred Astaire yeah. and Ginger Rogers and dance Ginger together. Roberts and, and Top Hat like they look comfortable dancing like they've done it for years which they have Fred not Astaire. so much and at least at long last love no so uh, there, and there, there's very little dancing there's very little ensemble dancing yes um, yeah and there's ver- the dancing that they do the the four is very basic the time step it's a time step whenever they're tapping pretty yes. much you know maybe yeah. maybe Madeline Kahn does a shuffle at one point uh, but uh, very very minimal very minimal dancing because they and they can barely pull it off. <laughs> right, it's like it's like Clydesdales. What is that? What is that? Horses. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're stomping around. They're stomping around. Um, and it's amazing to me, and I've seen this um, coming up on the show. We're doing Repo, the genetic opera. I was I was saying to you that I I, I noticed this that when you have someone that's a really really good singer. And then the next scene is there's someone that's not so good. Mm-hmm. Their not so goodness stands out even more. Yeah. Well, we're, since I've been mentioning Les Miserables, uh, everyone said that about Russell Crowe. I remember. Yeah. Do you and know he has a band? Yeah, I do. Have you heard it? I think I have. Okay. It's kind of like it's kind of like. It's isn't called it? like ten inch grunt or something. Yeah, and it sounds like that too. I want to say that I made up the, but I think no. there is called ten, a band ten inch grunt think so 10 <laughs> i'm not gonna say it again yeah let's not <laughs> i just can't you know i can't all right so <laughs> off topic tangent number four yeah. russell crowe's band 10 inch grunt <laughs> or not now, it might not be 10 inch grunt I now now before we stop um harping on sybil shepherd have you ever seen kenneth Branagh's love's labor's lost I have not. Because that's done like a 1930s musical. I haven't seen it either. Okay. But I know that Alicia Silverstone sings in it. And when I'm, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how good she is, I don't know. But when I think of Sybil Shepherd and Long Last Love, I think of, for some reason, Alicia Silverstone and Love Labor's Lost, even though I haven't seen it. And even though Alicia Silverstone is a much more open and vulnerable actress than Sybil Shepherd. Right. That's not um, so let's talk about the two that we, the two that I'm going to say are more, not more talented, but in this movie really get to show off their chops more. Madeline Kahn and please. Duilio. 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 I don't know. Del Prete. Yeah. We're just going to call him Johnny Spanish. Yeah. yeah. They are both passed by now, by the way, so reverence to them. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're both great in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, if it weren't for these two... And the comic relief of the butler and the maid. You would have a real bomb. This would be a trog. It would. <laughs> this would be quicksand. This would. I would. This would be a trog. <laughs> trog. Yeah. It would right. be a trog. Burt Reynolds and Sybil Shepherd because they have no. They have the chemistry of brothers and sisters that don't like each other. Yeah. Not love interests. Yeah. I mean. 
like right before they kiss, she's like, "Is that thing on your lip itch?" He goes, "I don't know." <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> "I liked it. I liked it when they kissed. <laughs> I got into it." I I think that Johnny Spanish and Madeline Kahn, Kitty O'Kelly had much better chemistry together. They do. They really I can't do. argue that. I really like their little their song and dance in the street after they get off. Isn't that lovely? Now that little dance in the street was one of the deleted scenes that was put back in. That was. That was not in any of the other edits ever released before. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, okay. does, and isn't that the cutest little dance that they do? Well, because it's real dancing. Yeah, but also, the you know, like Fred and Ginger, like they're communicating something between themselves with that dance, and it's romantic. It is. It's sweet, and they're opening up to each other in the dance itself. Right. So... And, and the, here we go. This is part. This is parcel and whatever that phrase is. This is this is parcel the found, and post. Yeah, this is the foundation of a good musical. Right. Okay. I mean, you they have, have, have elements like that. Right. You can't be making fun at dancing while you're dancing. And on the flip side of that, there's a scene where Burt Reynolds and Sybil Shepherd are messing around on the couch. He suddenly springs up and goes, "I'm in the mood to dance, like to sing. sing." Yeah, and he's right. I feel like, a sudden what? urge to sing and the kind of ditty that invokes the spring, which is another Cole Porter song. I'm sorry, but if you're a heterosexual man in 1975, you're rolling around on the couch with a 1975 Sybil Shepherd. Who's who suddenly gets the urge to sing? He's nervous. He keeps turning off the light, turning on the lights when she. Well, he turns them on. She turns right. them off. He's kind of a mo- he's a mama's boy. I know. I'm coming up with no. He excuses. is. He really is. Yeah, like and mo- she she is scaring him. <laughs> she's she's you know yeah. she's the predator basically in that scene. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's one of those guys that talks a big talk and then like yeah like like one of those guys All in the bar in, yeah. in, underneath. I know someone like that right now who will go unnamed. Yes. So yeah, <laughs> one of the guys that talks the talk and then like a girl like like say it's your friend that's a girl and he's hitting on her. And she'd just, like, nudge you and be like, listen, if he ever got me home, he wouldn't know what to do with me. <laughs> That's the kind of vibe I get. Like, this guy's... Too bad, all- because it's Burt Reynolds. <laughs> right? This- yeah, you kind of want to see him stepping up to the plate a little more yeah. instead of playing, you know, the the funny wuss, basically. Yeah, yeah. it's it, he was miscast, Um and, you know, apparently Bogdanovich says he was talked into it. But obviously, you got to give your girlfriend, regardless of her talents singing and acting wise and dancing, you got to put it in a little Civil Shepherd. <laughs> well, you haven't seen Daisy Miller. He, the, whole, the whole movie is based on her, and he cast her when he made his movie of that novel. And um, it didn't go anywhere because she was she she couldn't hold she couldn't carry the whole a movie thing. Yeah. right yeah and that's the problem they're meant to carry the movie Burt Reynolds and Sybil Shepherd they're supposed to carry this movie I'm far more interested in Johnny English Johnny Spanish Madeline Kahn mm-hmm. and whatever the hell the butler and the maid are up to because mm-hmm. they're much more entertaining to me. Mm-hmm. Now, in, now, incidentally, do, have you seen Irreconcilable Differences? No. Okay. It's Shelley Long, it's Ryan O'Neill, their horrible parents, Drew Barrymore is their child, and she divorces them, basically. Ryan O'Neill is a movie director and has a girlfriend who is Sharon Stone back in the 80s, and she wants to do... Th- I, think, I, I think this is based on At Long Last's love story. 
lasts. Okay. Long last loves story. She wants to do a musical of Gone with the Wind, and they do, and it bombs. And there's actually actually a scene that they film where everyone's dying on the field, and she's and she's singing. <laughs> Sharon right. Stone is singing this war. Something like, this war ain't going to get me down. I'm packing my bags. I'm moving to another town. For real. So, I mean, I think that's based on At Long Last Love. Or and Bogdanovich's casting Sybil in it. Here we go. I think I've read that. Madonna says, hey, Guy Ritchie, my husband at the time, I want a remake swept away. He's yes. like, really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he didn't even like the movie when he sh- when she showed it to him. No, we're going to get to you, Guy Ritchie. We got a movie. We got a good one from you. But, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the the husband and wife dynamic just should not be at play. The video movies. for what it feels like for a girl is really good. You still haven't seen that. No. Yeah, that's a good video. Okay. Yeah, and I actually let's not let's not get into off topic tangent. No, 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 no. Okay. No. So let's continue with the long last love. Okay. What else do you have to say? I only have one more thing to say, so we can ju- just keep talking. How are we doing for time? We got plenty of time. All right, well, let's just, so, let's um, just banter. Let me light my cigarette. I liked. There are a couple songs that I really, really liked. Tell me. Um, I can't. Explain. Would you never? Will you never? Oh, would uh, um. What a swell party this is. What a swell party oh, have this you, is. Oh, have you ever? What a, I think that's. Oh, yes. have you ever? E-V-A-H, to sound snotty. And for those of you that are part of our Facebook um, fan page... Well, did you ever? Yeah, go ahead. um, The cult... I put up a cult song of the week. Check... uh, And this week, check the Facebook group for Iggy Pop and Debbie Harry... Yes. ...from 1990 doing... Well, did you ever? So good. Yeah, like a... Directed by... Direct... And I'm going to put up the video... Uh, directed by Alex Cox, who, yeah. who we previously had on the show for um, Repo, Re- Man. Repo Man, and it, so yeah, it's I like that song, and, and so so and we caught a glimpse of it. I think they showed at the beginning or something. They showed a glimpse of Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby singing it in High Society, which is once again from the 1950s. It's not a 1930s song. So you also me- mentioned the director of Brick which we did on this show. Ryan Johnson loves this movie. Yes. Yes, and I, I have a quote from Ryan Johnson um, that I will read. Stop it. <laughs> you're gonna, now. You're going to call the dogs in the neighborhood. He described the film. This is from Ryan Johnson. I'm here to tell you they were all wrong. This movie is a delight. My wife and I love everything about it. We even have this poster up in our kitchen. Pop some Dom, put on some white gloves, and enjoy. There you go. And it does have a following. There are it does people have that a, like yes. it, including me, even though I do watch it sometimes and say, wow, this is a piece of shit. I do have an affection for the movie, definitely. Yes, and it, uh, this movie does have a lot of charm, and the production value, my God. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. What I love about this aesthetically, visually, is that, yes, all the sets and costumes are in black and white, so you are it's a head trip to kind of be watching that, even though it's filmed in color. Mm-hmm. When they're outside, all that green grass and all those green trees, it's beautiful. Yes. To kind of, you're like... You forget you've been color deprived until you see that. And then it's, and they'll do it in moments, two songs in particular, where it really serves to have 
have them be outside in nature uh, singing. I love that aspect of a movie musical. Um, and to see all the greenery, all the foliage. So one of my favorite scenes of this movie, if not my favorite scene, is they go to see a new Cole Porter, in parentheses, show. Right. Starring Kitty Kelly, Madeline Kahn's yes. character. What is the name of that song? It's called Find Me a Primitive Man. <laughs> now, we have Madeline Kahn singing Find Me a Primitive Man, surrounded by cavemen. <laughs> and at one point, she sings to them in caveman language. <laughs> it's, it's and then she breaks out on a tap dance. <laughs> what? 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 That number is a big, like, what the fuck? That's a huge WTF number. Like, See, what? And I, I, I've seen that a hundred times. Like, after watching it with you, I was like, what? What? Right. <laughs> I think that... And Tarzan comes and swings her away. Of course he That's does. That's right. Yeah. The number is it, it over. Saves, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and the the characters in the audience are all staring there like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah. Now, 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 let me mention, with this number and with other numbers where they dance, mind you, they, as far as I know... They're dancing with earpieces to a pre-recorded piano track. I don't know how you dance very well with that going on, especially tap. I mean, how can you hear the earpiece if you're listening to yourself tap? So it must that, have been this, horribly distracting. This, this, in my opinion, uh, explains the flat-footedness of the choreography and the dancing in the movie, right. especially the cavemen, um, but even the principal, prin principals themselves. It's just like... They don't fare much better than the cavemen. They don't. They really don't. They don't. And that's they don't. why I kind of like. I I think that if he leaned into more being like a satire of the musicals. Yeah. Well, like, I think that's what he was going for a little bit, maybe a little bit. I think so, and that's like the only glimpse that I get of it in that one particular shot. And then there's what other you mean, times with Madeline Kahn doing that number with the cavemen. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. That um, that does seem like a, a real send up. It does, uh -huh. and I, I kind of wish that this movie leaned more into that. Another another scene where, like, thinking about Dangerous, there's a scene where Burt Reynolds is singing while shaving with a <laughs> and razor. The, and this, then, is not a, this is not and, a safety Bic razor. And, he, and he's cutting himself and putting toilet paper on, on the, the cuts. On the cuts. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I mean, obviously it wasn't a real razor, but... Followed, but still. Yeah, followed by Sybil Shepherd with cu cucumbers all over her face that she's smearing and slapping off her face. So, like, those kind of scenes give me glimpses of, like, if this movie was a spoof of these musicals. Like, but it, I, it kind of is. It you kind, kind of have to is, accept that it is a little bit. But it's not like everyone's in on that. I don't think, like... Hmm. It seemed... See, like, I feel like they're in on it a little too much. That's my take is that it's a little too much of a comment on the 1930s musicals instead of instead of kind of like trying to create something of their own. Yeah. That's what it feels like a lot of the time for me. Yeah, it's almost like... And then, like I said, just the, the sheer number of songs. Mm -hmm. We're going to cover a movie coming up um, next week that's all music. Through no, song. Yeah, but more song. like an operetta. Uh, right. Mm -hmm. There's there's no spoken dialogue. It's all it's all sung. Mm -hmm. Pass me the salt will be sung. Yes. And um yes. Yes. But that movie to me it works in that movie. In this movie there's too much music. Well, it feels like an anthology. 
Right. Yeah. It feels like you're listening to the, the not-so-greatest hits of Cole Porter <laughs> because these are like the lesser-known songs, right? Uh, ostensibly. Yeah. Some of them are well-known. You're the top is well-known. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not like, like I said, we we The good ones. Off. Begin yeah. the begin. Night and day. I've got you under my skin. I concentrate on you. Right. These would be songs that would then give the movie some depth. Now, with, with its buoyancy and the also the dichotomy of the heaviness that I mentioned, there's something, there's, there's something like lead that so, sits in the movie. All right. And I'm, I don't say that as a compliment, of no. course, you know. But and I I'm, mean, you know, if they were to sing those songs that I mentioned instead, then you would start having something that was interesting, something that was connected between well, the characters. Well, uh, uh, More uh, connected instead of this drunken well, something reading like, card that they're, <laughs> that they're, you know, ever well, like, try to, you know, read something when you're drunk. That's what they're doing. They're drunk reading off a greeting card. They're drunk reading off Cole Porter lyrics, Right, basically. but in a good... Mu- well, not to say that this isn't a good musical, but in a better it, musical... You can say it's a bad a, musical. Many people have. In a better musical... Yeah, okay. These songs are here for a cohesive story, right? Right. This it's was... built around it, just was, like Mamma yeah. Mia. Yeah, this was is, like the, a Mad Libs. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I got to kind of connect. Yeah, the how is here. Like, how are these songs going to connect? Like, Cole Porter wrote this for this musical, and he didn't write it for this, so I'm just going to take a mishmash. Yeah. It's like if you went to, like, a random artist's greatest hits album and took songs from, like, that's all they, over their... Th- that's their, what Mamma Mia did. Right. But that, Mamma then, Mia is Abba Gold. Basically, it's the ABBA Gold Greatest Hits album. So I'm going to say something here. And Mamma Mia 2 is ABBA Gold 2 or ABBA Silver or whatever the, 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 the next Greatest Hits album was. Seriously. And that's jukebox musicals. Like, right. they, they built it around. Yeah. I mean, stuff stuff like Footloose and Saturday Night Fever that they put on Broadway, I mean, they used the same plot. They sure. They didn't have to come right. up with a different plot. They just took the songs that were on the soundtrack and had the characters actually sing them. Um, but with... With At Long Last Love, um, yeah, they're building something, and with Mamma Mia, they're building something around it, and it's a flimsy. When I saw Mamma Mia on Broadway, I was like, this is the, like a sitcom. I feel like I'm watching a sitcom. Right. Yeah, so I mean, it's the same type it's of It's the same you type know, of thing. Just, there's no. The filler, the dialogue becomes fillers. Right. Yeah. There's like no. It, the, like the story becomes an afterthought. Yeah. It, it, like a good musical will take you on a, a journey. And it will tell a story. Yeah. This movie is kind of like all over the place. It is, in spite of its tightness that we mentioned. So there's a lot of contradictory stuff that we're feeling with this movie. Yeah. So uh, there is also, with what, what you said is true, definitely, there is a lot of cleverness with the songs and the lyrics, how they'll be referencing what's going on in the plot. Yes. So that's cute, and that's yes. fun. And I think that's where I, I Bogdanovich kind of, like, his screenwriting talents kind of was where were helped to fill in some of those gaps mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to add some quippy lines mm-hmm. here and there. Because his dialogue isn't that great. His, in general, I just want to say, well, did you ever, the, the scene that you love so much, uh, at the end of that, when they're at that stuffy party and they're m- making fun of the guests with that song, and at the end, Madeline and Duilio see Sybil and Bert out in the backyard about to kiss. Dancing under the moonlight. Dancing under the moonlight. And then the song changes pace, yep. and the lyrics become appropriate for the reactions of the two watching the other two. All of a sudden, it's like, oh boy, right. our, little, our little you know, double couple has been switched up and 
we're left one of the high things, and dry. The, one of the things that I don't like about these sorts of movies, though, is how easily everything's... It seems so drawn out and dramatic. Same like it was in Top Hat with the the missing uh, mistaken, mistaken identity. identities drives me crazy. Um, I hate mis- mistaken this identities. This with the changing partners trying to make each other jealous. Right. Who really belongs with who? Right. I'm gonna and buy you a racer. It is an answer. No, at it's the end. not. It's like are they the little figurines in the final credits? The and women. I, the women depart from the men. Right. And they turn and they they stay frozen. Yes, that turn. and I like Big that question ending. mark. Yeah, I like that ending yeah. because it leaves it ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Now, if I had my druthers, you would match. A, I know you wouldn't match up Madeline Duilio and, 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 John, and Johnny Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and Be, get get rid of the. Well, I and uh, to the other two, I would say you two deserve each other. <laughs> <laughs> they have so much more. Just just the hangover scene. Okay. <laughs> He's up fr- fresh. Bec- he wants to get the newspaper because he needs to find out what's happening with Little Orphan Annie. Mm-hmm. She's out wandering and admiring the day. Mm-hmm. They have so much better chemistry. And that that whole song, because that's the title song, and all four of them sing it. They're out on the country estate, and that's when the transition is starting to happen with the characters. And I right. do, I don't realize that until multiple viewings. Actually, once again, to prove my take on it. Um, but that's when she's starting to think, maybe, am I really in love with him, or am I in love with this right. guy? And, that, and then, then she passes the ball to the next character, who has the same sentiments. Right. Everyone's wondering, who so, am I really into here? Yeah, yeah, so you know who I'm rooting for. I know. Um, I, Yeah, Johnny Spanish, <laughs> Madeline Kahn. <laughs> they... they um, She's great in this Madeline Kahn. And you're not very familiar with her in her no. Mel Brooks movies. She sings I'm So Tired in History of the World Part 2, I think. So I need to go back and revisit I my mean, Mel Brooks, yeah. my Young she's, Frankenstein. She's in Young Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. She's she, in High 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 Anxiety. She's yeah, she, as a blonde. Go, I yeah. got to go back and uh, I got to bone up on my Mel Brooks. And she's in Paper Moon, actually, with Bogdanov- by Bogdanovich. She plays... Oh, okay. She plays the woman that Ryan O'Neill um, falls for, basically, when he and Tatum are having their road trip. And she has a wonderful monologue because she and Tatum are fighting about the front seat. Right. And she has a monologue with Tatum alone where she's explaining herself and who she is and the chances that she has in her life and not so much so at her age. And at the end she says, and I guess Tatum has been calling her like, the woman with the big bosoms. So she says at the end, she says, so so do me a favor and just let the woman with the big bosoms sit in front, please. <laughs> oh, that's great. So as we start to wrap up here, um, this is what I would say for those of you listening who have not watched this movie. Give it a shot. Ignore Sybil Shepherd and Burt Reynolds' face plastered all over the title screen and everything. <laughs> This movie is worth it for Madeline Kahn, Johnny Spanish, and the maid and the butler. Eileen Those Brennan two, and John Hillerman, I thank think, you, is, are, thank their, you. are their names. They will carry you through this movie. And it's worth just watching because sometimes you, you kind of want to see what all the hype is about. In this case, it was kind of negative hype. Although, I'm going to side with, with Ryan Johnson and Roger Ebert on this one. This movie's a lot of fun. Okay. It really is. Glad you liked it, and I think so, too. So and I you, thought you would think that. So, I thought that it was it was kind of like quirky and goofy enough. So you know? I Not almost I almost want to see the original cut of this movie, 
but I really don't. I'm just kind of saying that. <laughs> I will send you. There is stuff on YouTube. I will send you a couple deleted because scenes. Because apparently, my favorite, one of my favorite scenes was an added scene. That little scene right? is really, really sweet. Yeah. And I you agree. know, when I first saw that in this new cut, I was like, whoa, this just made the movie yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. So don't believe all the negative hype. This movie, I would say, is definitely worth a watch. Even for someone, and, and I'm speaking as generally a non musical fan here, um, with a small caveat that. Same Small caveat, though, and I know that the title of the episode is At Long Last Love. I would recommend Top Hat over this. Ooh. Just saying, just saying. Well, Andrew, Andrew, take us home. Well, I mean, you know, what? what uh, there's an expression for that, and I, I, it's, not coming, it's not coming to mind. Hot take? Uh, no, like, why go to the so-and-so when you can have the such-and-such? Why go to the milkman when you can have the cow? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? That's not the. That's not the expression. Why order a hamburger when you have steak at home? <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> why go to the milkman if you have the cow, or why go to the cow if you have the milkman? I don't edit it out because that's. Oh en- no no, it's staying in there. Yeah, and a, for those of you who are milkmen, what do you do in such a situation? Well, I don't think there are milkmen anymore. You know, I remember. Do you? I, I, was, well, I was young, but it was probably the, the late 80s, early 90s. We didn't have a milkman, but I remember our, our uh, neighbors did. Oh, they wow. actually had a milkman, um, but it was more than milk. He'd bring like eggs and orange sure, juice, that sure. kind of thing. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, there's a milkman in this. There is a milkman. That's right. And uh, very, very. Well, actually, it's the butler picking up the milk that's been delivered. Do we see the milkman delivering the milk? We yes, do, we do. Don't we? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, it appears he's delivering milk. And either water or, in the case of these people... Champagne. Or vodka. Or vodka. <laughs> <laughs> that would be more like it. Actually, if they drank more vodka instead of champagne, it might get more real. Uh, okay, yeah. so with that uh, being said... So, I, as much as I love the old movies, um, I'm a sucker. I'm hopelessly trapped in the 70s. And will watch At Long Last Love over and over again before I watch an old Fred and Ginger movie, I'm afraid. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, when I see what you're talking about, like, they're the real deal. They can yeah. really they can really dance. And that like is I, vital. Like I said to you before we how started... How do you not have... How do you have a Fred and Ginger movie and... <laughs> not have someone not that Not have can... the dancing. Right. That dancing. Right, yeah. It's... I mean, I, I appreciate you showing me Top Hat before this, but I told you it's probably a little bit of a mistake because my my feeling like I'm just well, I didn't want to show it to you before watching that long last love. Okay, that was that was the deal. All right, I wanted you to have uh, a point of reference for the podcast when we actually record. So it. Well, so that that worked out great. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, for those of you, this is coming from someone that's generally not a musical fan. Um, uh, at long last love, it's worth it's it's worth it if you can if it's still on Netflix, pl- check it out there. It's not. It's not on no, Netflix you, you, anymore. You can't get. You can. You can. St- Stream it. Am I allowed to say that? You can stream. I mean, that's how I saw it. Uh, that that's how I saw this edit for the oh, first time. Oh, people in the know know how to get these. There things. we go. There we go. It's us fine law-abiding citizens. Yeah, <laughs> would well, never the, do such a thing. The Blu-ray DVD. I've seen it go for over eight hundred dollars. Yeah. On, on eBay. So it's yeah. It's a it's it's a collector's item. It's hard to get your mitts on at long last love, uh, but it is. It's out there, and it has a cult following, so if you are a true cult connoisseur, cult movie connoisseur, right. seek it out. So It's worth, it's worth it. 
So thank you all for joining us once again here on the Cult Film Companion. Send us messages on Twitter at Cult Film Comp. Send us emails, cultfilmcompanion at gmail.com. Check us out on your favorite platform of a podcast. If we're not there, shoot me a message and tell us. So hopefully I can get us onto that platform. Thank you all again. And we are going, we're right in the middle of our musical March in April and we got some good stuff on the way. So um, stay tuned, stay tuned. And do I have any witty comments from Ed Long last love to end this episode on? You're the top. What was that Donkey Kong? No, that King Kong penis thing. I'm not repeating that. Oh. I said it once. I don't want to end it with that. You're going to end it with that. Good night.